the P segment that we're really trying to reach is our happy host segment. So that's a segment that um, is really around getting getting into the mentality of somebody who loves hosting. Those people are a little bit special and a little bit different in the best way. They have the best appetizers. They have the best uh, plates. They have all of the things that you need to make sure that you are hosting and really throwing a great party. So how we reach those uh, customers cross-channel is really important to us. Hey friends, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Adam Brown from Salesforce. And we want to welcome you to our very first Deep Dives collection here on Social Pros. For like almost 500 episodes, we've talked to a leader from a different company each week here on the show. But we've realized that social has gotten so important, so complex, so integrated into so many other parts of major organizations that trying to summarize the entire social program of a big company in like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, it forces us to leave out a lot of detail that you, the Social Pros listener community, might actually learn from. That's right, Jay. You have perfectly encapsulated why we created the Social Pros Deep Dives. It's a five-episode feature that looks at one organization and how they're using social across the entirety of their business. The result, more juicy details for you, our Social Pros listener. Bingo. And we are excited that our very first deep dive series focuses on Sam's Club, a brand that has absolutely revolutionized the role of social. Check this out, friends. Their social team has gone from like two people to 50 people in just two years. And you'll hear how social impacts the brand, organic, paid, social care, insights, local store, foot traffic, and a lot, lot more across these five episodes. And this is binge-worthy, Jay Bear. just because you want more, because you know you won't want to stop. We are releasing all five Sam's Club episodes simultaneously. Go ahead. Do it. Yep. Don't have to wait each week. You'll get all five of them at once. And in this episode, Adam, we're going to hear from Mackenzie McCarver, who's the director of social at Sam's, and Hunter Wenchy, who is the manager of social media. We're going to hear from them in just a second. They are up to their eyeballs in day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute, and second-to-second social media on behalf of the brand. Uh, but first, a quick acknowledgement of our fantastic sponsors here on the podcast. As always, Social Pros is brought to you by the good people at Sales. Force. Salesforce has a spectacular piece of research that I want you to download. It's called the sixth edition of the State of Marketing Report. It presents the insights from nearly 7,000 marketing leaders from across the globe. They'll tell you what they're looking to do, why, trends, technology. It's really important stuff. It won't cost you anything, which is very kind. Just go to bit.ly slash new marketing report. That is B-I-T dot L-Y slash new marketing report. That's all lowercase kids. Also, the show this week brought to you by Super Metrics. Not good metrics, super metrics. One of the things we talk about here on social media all the time is the measurement and the metrics. We'll talk about that with Mackenzie and Hunter here as well. And it can be kind of confusing because there's so many things that you could measure in social and then you're awash in data, but you're not really sure what it all means. Supermetrics makes it seriously easy to pull all of your social media data automatically into great looking dashboards. My team at Convince and Convert partnered with Supermetrics to put together a super slick social media metrics template for you to download for nothing. It will also give you a 14-day free trial of Supermetrics, the software. You can get this at supermetrics.com slash social dash 
pros. So that's supermetrics.com slash social dash pros. And this show this week is coincidentally brought to you by Upfluence. We're going to talk about influencer marketing uh, today with Mackenzie and Hunter. And Upfluence is an all-in-one influencer marketing platform that provides brands with all the tools they need to take their influence campaigns to the next level. They've got a really cool research report that I want you to download. It's called the Brand Influence Ranking Report. You get exclusive insights into the social performance of some of the biggest brands and how their influencer marketing actually performs. It's really interesting stuff that most people aren't doing from an analytics perspective. I want you to grab it. Go to bit.ly slash brand influence ranking. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash brand influence ranking all lowercase, my friends. We hate capitals here at Social Pros, but we love Mackenzie and Hunter from Sam's Club. Ladies, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having us. It's great to be here. That was Mackenzie. We're Hi, yes. Thank you so much for having us here. That was Hunter. Delighted to have you here as well. This is going to be so fun. I, I can't even imagine um, how much you all are doing day to day. So maybe let's start there. Mackenzie, Give us a sense of of what you're actually doing in a, in a given span of time, because I know it's a lot. Absolutely. So um, right now, social for Sam's includes influencer marketing. It includes local social for our clubs. It includes organic and paid social. And it also um, includes kind of all of the associate social uh, that we partner with our comms partners on. So we have a lot of different uh, hands in different pots, uh, making sure that we are trying to think of it holistically across our org. And Hunter, how much of that do you get uh, assigned to do? It sounds like it sounds like you've got to do a bunch of those things also. Uh, yes, uh, I work a lot on the influencer marketing side. That is really kind of my larger piece. And I also help out with the social customer care. Yes. And we'll talk more about care uh, in a future episode in the deep dive when Mackenzie is going to rejoin the show uh, alongside her colleague, Tina, and we'll do a deep dive on uh, on care. So we won't cover too much of that ground uh, in this episode, but but we will um, shortly. Mackenzie, quick question for you. Do, do you think all of Sam's Club customers are on social or or just a, a portion, right? It's it's a broad consumer audience, uh, but but when you're thinking about a social media initiative, are you thinking you're talking to everybody or just the younger customers or just the more urban customers or the more tech-savvy customers? From, from sort of a persona um, standpoint, what, what what's in your head when you all are thinking about reaching um, members, potential members in social? Sure. So I think all is a broad word, but I think most of our customers are on social. And when you think about, you know, what channels they're on, we can target pretty specifically around, you know, the demographic data provided on channels. So yes, I do think, um, I'm going to say most, (laughs) not all, it's too broad. Um, But most of our customers are on social. And so we try to think strategically about how we're leveraging each channel to be able to reach them. So yes, we're trying to reach younger customers, but we're also trying to reach our older customers as well. So we're not really, um, we're not trying to leave anybody on the table. From that perspective, do you think of specific channels as better or or worse or less appropriate, more appropriate um, for particular components of your audience? Or are you, are you thinking, all right, we need to have a TikTok play because we do have some younger members or potential members, and we need to do a Facebook initiative because that reaches uh, more of the composition of the audience and skews a little older. What's the, the game plan there? 
Uh, do you want to write the strategy? That was based, that was close. Um, <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. So we have a the key segment that we're really trying to reach is our happy host segment. So that's a segment that um, is really around getting getting into the mentality of somebody who loves hosting. Those people are a little bit special and a little bit different in the best way. They have the best appetizers. They have the best uh, plates. They have all of the things that you need to make sure that you are hosting and really throwing a great party. So how we reach those. Uh, customers cross channel is really important to us. And that's what we're focused in on. It's less about um, kind of the age of, you know, we need a younger customer or an older customer, but we need somebody with this right mentality to be able to talk to them because those are the people that we know love shopping at Sam's. As it relates to the happy host, McKenzie, and I like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great term. And you mentioned kind of cross channel. This is probably a great opportunity to talk a little bit about how you do work across the marketing and communications organizations there at SAMS. So you have this happy host, you've, you've articulated it, you've created perhaps an editorial counter for social. Talk about how you work with the other departments to, uh, to make sure that message is on point. Absolutely. So we work really closely with them. Um, we work with our partners um, in engagement marketing, and we also work very closely with our partners who are merchants to understand what the right products are, to understand what the right offers are, and to really dig in uh, to make sure that we're providing a level of excitement. We have some amazing products. So I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, recently we got some PR around um, a like. I'm going to butcher the size guys, but it was a very, very large pink limousine float. Okay. Um, and you could throw it in the lake and it would be a thing. Yeah. Like you could sit not, in not a parade float. That would be, I, but that no, wouldn't totally surprise the Rose bowl. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, no Rose bowl, more like a, more like lake or pool time where you could fit like 10 or 12 of your friends. It's a very, very large pool float. So we get a lot of items like this that are like really high excitement, very cool items um, that are both mediable, but also marketable. And so that's when we're really trying to find that synergy to get in and understand how we can talk about that um, and make sure that everybody is aware that we have these very exciting items and everybody should go up by the pool float. <laughs> so we have the pool float. We have uh, your happy hosts. How, Hunter, does the influencer marketing side kind of fit into that? Are you looking at kind of which of your happy hosts are following particular influencers or are you more kind of marketing down driven? These are the most influential people talking about this. Therefore, we're going to partner, participate, you know, create programs in and around those influencers. I'd say it's a little of both, honestly. Um, I know personally, if I'm wanting to host a party and I'm wanting to, you know, do it all the way to the nines, I'm going to go look at all of my favorite influencers and see kind of what they've done because they're they're the ones who are setting those kind of things up and are showing off kind of the best of the best of what they're doing. So I think it's kind of twofold of. Um, do does this person you know really fit into the happy host uh, segment themselves as an influencer and therefore will have those so same sort of people following them as well um yeah we we definitely kind of look at both of those and I will say Hunter is excellent at this because it is an art and a science. So you're both object, you're looking at the data and understanding how their data is performing. We're looking at what their engagement rates are. We're looking at the quality of their content, but it's also a subjective evaluation. And Hunter's very, very good at understanding what type of content and what type of influencer will resonate with our audience. And then on top of that, we're applying layers like ensuring that they have diverse audiences themselves, that they have, um, that we're representing diversity in everything 
everything that we do because that's very important to us. Our audience is diverse. So Hunter is a pro at that. <laughs> Hunter, one of the things I find interesting about the Sam's Club influencer marketing approach is that you really overtly kind of tick all the boxes from a audience size perspective, right? So you've got the the nano influencers, the kind of mid-size, then big, you know, well-known, recognizable uh, kind of true celebrity influencers as well. And most brands we find uh, are are disproportionately aligned towards one of those kind of um, program types, and, and and you sort of do all of those. Can you talk a little bit about that and how they how they kind of intersect? Yeah, of course. Um, I would say that really every size audience of influencer has a different um, kind of offer to your audience. So really going across all of them will really help capture everyone that you're looking for. So those nano influencers typically have a, a stronger hold on a local audience. So if you're really looking to target somebody locally and we're trying to, you know, boost some a, a product around a specific area, then a nano influencer is really going to be the best option for that versus using our mega celebrity influencers for something that's more of a national campaign. Um, but really kind of going across the, the broad market there helps us hit pretty much every need that we have audience-wise. And, and Jay, just to add on that, that was by design. We wanted to make sure we could pulse up really big with macro programs while having an evergreen kind of always on micro influencer strategy. We know that it's really important to have local credentials, local uh, credibility in our influencer program. But it's also very important that we have people who uh, represent the brand in a way that is impactful. So we're really by design um, having kind of this two-pronged strategy that we feel really passionately about. Hunter, one of the things I get asked the most from people who know I'm in the social media industry is how do you find those influencers? Is it just a, 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 a example of you having to be out there and searching and finding people who are interested, hopefully in the same types of things that you're into or what your audience is into? Or do you have a more method, you know, a method to this, a scientific process of evaluating things like that? I'm so curious how you find those nano influencers or even the super celebrities you know, and, and who you use to assist you in those endeavors. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I wouldn't say that there's necessarily one specific way to go about it. There definitely are times that I'm just out in my own Instagram feed and come across somebody and think, oh my goodness, this person would be perfect for this upcoming campaign that we have. Um, and then other times we do utilize a tool where um, we can put a campaign out into the marketplace and those influencers can come submit a proposal to us or vice versa. We can invite them into the campaign and kind of do searches um, within the tool based on their location, based on their audience um, and things like that. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say there's one size fits all when it comes to searching for the best influencer for um for any, any campaign, it's kind of a multi-pronged approach as well. It's funny you say that. I, a lot of folks want that, just click a button and influencer spits out of the report, you know, um, because, well, it's online, so it must be all data. But to some degree, it is art and science. It's like, why does Lincoln, um, the automobile brand, use Matthew McConaughey? Like, there's a lot of other people they could use, right? There's no, like... Matthew McConaughey software, at least as far as I know, maybe there is. I apologize, Matthew, if uh, I've impugned you in some way. But uh, so, so it definitely is data plus a feel. And, and of course, as we talked about, 
uh, in the previous episode with Natalie, Sam's Club has a huge opportunity uh, in that you're doing regular pulse checks with your um, members uh, with these sort of weekly kind of focus groups. So do you test that when you when you say, hey, here's eight potential influencers, maybe big ones for a campaign? Do you actually go back into your insights collection and say, hey, do you all like this person? So what we do when we're looking at kind of the uh, right influencer from a macro perspective specifically, we couldn't do this with micro at scale, is we go through and look at the member pulse points. So we have a lot of research that shows like what our members are interested in. So we're looking at that upfront and then we're looking at the uh, social listening data on the back end to make sure that it works. So we're actually looking at what our members were saying. We're looking at how they were commenting on our post, how they were commenting on the influencers post. So we're looking at that both ways. Mackenzie, one thing I wanted to ask you about is organic social posts and an editorial calendar. Because if you're in, I don't know, Savannah, Georgia, you're like, awesome, it's pool float time. <laughs> but if you're in Billings, Montana, it's probably not pool float season, or at least it's entirely possible for that to be the case. So are you doing a lot of geo-targeting of organic posts to, to sort of figure out what, what, what applies in which clubs? And, and, and not to mention the fact you don't have consistent merch across the board. Um, well, yes, that's a good question. So sometimes, uh, but not often. So what we find is that if it is pool float season in Savannah, Georgia, then the people in Billings, Montana, aspirationally are in pool float season as well. <laughs> they're ready to get out of the winter um, and the same way uh, where if it's uh, starting to get summer uh, or starting to turn from summer to winter and Billings, Montana, then the people in uh, Atlanta, Georgia perhaps are ready for the holidays because they're overheated. Um, we really see that they're particularly after 2020, there is an appetite to get into the holidays early and there's an appetite to celebrate and to make things perfect um, and really, really get into that holiday spirit, whatever holiday it is. If it's summer, if it's getting into like the actual Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, holiday season. So we're seeing that more and more. We're particularly seeing that with the happy host where, you know, if they're going to throw a pool party, they want the coolest flamingo, unicorn, pink limo float um, that you can get. Or, you know, if they're going to have the perfect Christmas tree and they want to make sure that, you know, it has the, it's the tallest and the thickest, I don't know what the right Christmas tree selling points are, but um, I'm going to say tallest. Um, you know, they want to make sure, and, and we know that our products, particularly our members mark products, have that. We've worked really hard to develop the quality. So it's our job on the social side is people are getting into this mentality of, of switching to seasons earlier, of getting more things so that they can make sure they're throwing the perfect event um, to make sure that we're telling that story and telling that quality story consistently and really showing how much work our merchants have done to make sure that these products are excellent. And they have done a lot of work and the products really are great. So it they made it easy for us, I'd say. When you're thinking about creating or an organic social post, let's say Instagram, just for conversational purposes, what's the process? You're like, all right, it's Tuesday. We need to put something on Instagram. <laughs> how, how far ago was that envisioned and, and who who approves it and who makes the photo and, and how, like, how is the sausage actually constructed? 
Uh, hopefully we're not posting on Tuesday, although I can't tell you it never happens um, for a Tuesday. Uh, that being said, we really, really try to get a couple weeks. Um, yes, <laughs> we do try to get a couple weeks out at least. Um, however, sometimes we have something exciting happen. Uh, we get some cool media or our PR partners are incredible. So, you know, we want to pivot. We want to share that with our followers. Um most of the time, though, we're talking about several weeks in advance, and the approval process depends on the type of content that we're posting. So if we have like UGC or UG, EGC, the, of course, person who created it needs to approve it. And then it goes basically to me and my copywriter, make sure that the copy looks good. Um, so it's a really quick approval process. It's something we can stand up quite quickly. If it's a campaign based or it's something that's more robust, it goes through much more um, deep approvals, I will say. Uh, so we have, you know, our creative team look at it. We have the, um, sometimes, you know, it goes all the way up to VP level approval. So it just depends on what the actual content deliverable is. And we have to be flexible that way so that we can be nimble. You know, if, if every single piece of content needed, you know, up to VP level approval, then it would be very difficult to get things done and to, to pivot when we needed to pivot for something um, like social. Um, yeah, but those brands exist. I mean, that, as, as you know, Mac, that's, that's not, that's not. <laughs> I've been in that brand. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, yeah, that, that's not unheard of. Yes, but um, we are very blessed that we are able to be flexible that way. I mean, it is truly, um, it's, a, it's a good way to manage it because the light lift things, the UGC, the EGC, um, there's a level of trust and we're able to quickly turn those and make sure that we have enough in the content pipeline. And if we need to be, like I said, flexible and change things, we are able to because we're the ones at the end of the day who are making a lot of those decisions. So Hunter, we have the happy host. We have our influencer. We even have that float. We've decided we're going to do something on Instagram. The copy is written. I want to jump on something that McKenzie said around UGC. What type of specific visual content seems to be working best for Sam's Club? Is it videos? Is it images? Is it user-generated content? Is it highly produced content? What is working and kind of what does that process look like even for that final mile, shall we say? Mostly puppet shows. Puppet shows crush it. Puppet shows. <laughs> yes, I would definitely say that the user-generated content is definitely um, the best performing overall. And that could even be kind of still on that highly produced kind of influencer user-generated content. Um, that's really something that does well for us, especially having both the product and the influencer in there to bring in that kind of human aspect. Um, so I, I definitely would say that it's UGC, but it's not necessarily um, just completely from, you know, user XYZ out into, you know, the Instagram space. It's also that influencer UGC, which is more produced. Once that post has gone out, McKenzie, I know we're, we're going to be talking to some of your colleagues about customer care here in a little bit, so I'm not going to be talking about those types of ping pong back and forth. But once it pokes, goes out and there's some comments or there's some engagement, is your team also re-engaging and participating you know, from a non-customer care standpoint uh, in those conversations? Absolutely. And we call that our brand love. So we want to make sure that people who feel passionately about, you know, again, if we're using the uh, pool float example, if they're super excited about that, we want to make sure that they stay excited and they stay engaged. And we're providing them with the right information. If it's sold out in their club, where can they get it? How can we make sure they get what um, they need? I read a book called Utility um, about making sure that we're being useful. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, it's really important for us as we're thinking through how we manage that. And a lot of that is through the same customer care apparatus that I manage. Um, and we can talk about that in another podcast, but, um, it is something that is very, very important. And it's something that I think differentiates us. I know one thing a lot of brands are doing in and around kind of that brand love concept is bringing in their employees or their associates to participate in those kind of aspirational, positive, you're not going to get yourself probably in trouble by misrepresenting or, or miss saying something. How does EGC McKinsey kind of fit into that aspect of your program? Yeah, it is a big part of our program. So we have our local social program uh, where our clubs are creating content at the club level to talk about what they do um, from a you know promotion standpoint, what they're doing both um, <laughs> from a people perspective and then from like a product perspective. So are people getting promoted? What, what are they running from a specialist perspective? There's a lot of different things that our local clubs are talking about. And it has become a very rich source of EGC. And that's great because then our clubs already know that it's being used for marketing purposes. So it's very easy to then pull that and leverage it where we need to. We have an ongoing drumbeat of content around the things like curbside pickup, um, where our clubs are really just crushing it. We launched that last year. And it's something that we want to make sure that we're continuing to build awareness on. And the best way to tell the story is with the people who are doing it. So we use that very, very regularly. And it's a very effective uh, content strategy for us. Can you talk, Mackenzie, a little bit about the tool that associates have to create UGC? Uh, I think it's really fascinating how how that software works and sort of puts the social content creation engine in, in their hands while they're in the workplace. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is an application that is custom labeled for us. It's called the My Local Social app. And what it does is it essentially lets our associates create content and post on their local Facebook pages. We did a pilot with it last October and it went amazing. <laughs> I mean, I having managed this program at a similar, um, at a, I should say a smaller brand, but with more locations, it, it's challenging to get people whose day-to-day is not doing social media to do social media. The people on the ground, the people who have boots on the ground, those are people who are dealing with customers. They're trying to make our members happy. They are doing a lot of work around you know, stocking and moving and ensuring that the club is clean. And those are not necessarily things that you have time to say, let's take a pause and create a fun TikTok style video to post on Facebook. So you know, we didn't know what to expect when we rolled this out. And our clubs jumped on this and did an amazing job. And they are, they are the biggest advocates of this program. So um, they're able to use this tool, they're able to post, they're able to see a leaderboard about how they're doing uh, compared to other clubs in both their area and then nationally. And they're very competitive and they all want to be number one. So they're all uh, number one as far as I know right now because they are really, really working hard uh, to make sure that they are creating and distributing exciting content. Employee-generated content programs are certainly about the technology, and it sounds like the My Local Social app is a great one. 
But sometimes an under-recognized aspect is the cultural side and the training side, making sure that your associates are comfortable with this new application, that they know how to use it, and that on your side, you're also managing that aspect. What does that part look like? And is that something that your team, McKinsey, does? Or do you work with HR and employee training and associate training to, uh, to manage that as well? Uh, so it is led by our team with a lot of partners and a lot of uh, stakeholders. So we work very closely with our operations team. We work very closely with our HR team. We work very closely with our legal team. We have to make sure that all of these things have the right direction because we certainly don't want to be setting up our uh, associates and club for failure. So when we are talking about training and how, and how to create a culture of transparency and a culture of sharing, it, it goes through a lot of different um, approvals. So in a much more, I would say, robust approval process than something like a <laughs> UGC post. So we worked really hard uh, with our partner who owns the tool, the MLS tool, to create some videos that will help train our associates. We have one cheaters and then they have, uh, the associates who are in the tool have to watch the videos and, and agree that they've read all these one sheets. And then on top of that, we have guardrails set up where we're looking at that from a brand side as well. So not, not only are we providing them the training and giving them the permission and making sure that they're empowered to go forward and create good content, we've also then created a backdoor to make sure that if there is something that goes wrong, we're here to protect them and make sure that there's no risk to either the club or the brand. Mackenzie, one thing I wanted to ask you about is this idea of sort of brand to brand interaction in in social. Sure. It, it's become such a, a big part of kind of the fabric of of social, especially for B two C brands. You don't see Salesforce dropping in on Oracle very often, but maybe, <laughs> um, maybe, maybe eventually. Adam, get on that. Uh, how interested are you in in sort of Sam's Club mixing it up with with other brands, other retailers uh, in in social? I haven't seen you do a lot of that, and I assume that's by design. Yes, I was actually just having this conversation with somebody on Friday. Where if we have a good business reason, we can justify most engagements, and we need to make sure that what we're doing on social is rooted in some sort of business objective. When we engage with other brands, which we have, but not often. They are brands that we sell. They're brands that we care about selling. They're brands that are good partners with us. And we want to make sure that we are promoting them because we like being their partner in club. And so that it should live online as well, right? Um, but it's not random. And it's certainly not something that we're doing just because there's a trending topic or something like that. Like, I don't know if people care if Sam's is talking, you know, about to McDonald's. I don't know if people care about that. And so let's not spend our time and our energy um, engaging in those types of conversations. But I do know that people care if Sam sells Moon Pies in their club. And when Moon Pie, and of course, Moon Pie is a very active brand on Twitter. And so sometimes we engage with them because that is a brand that uh, we care about and we have a passion point for. So it's thinking through like, what is truly the business objective of these kind of trending moments? And what is the business objective of the engagements that we're having? And ensuring that we leverage, you know, smart marketing and business choices, not just smart social choices. I think the business value in many cases is to get the social media manager in ad week personally, but... <laughs> 
just me. Uh, Hunter, to that end, though, how often are you really paying attention to to hashtags and trends and saying, hey, this is one that we can really make hay on. We should jump into this meme. Or are you saying, let's create our own hashtags, our own campaigns, hashtag happy hosts or what have you, and, and sort of trying to, to build your own phenomenon underneath the Sam's Club brand? Yeah, I think we definitely do a little bit of both. Um, I personally am definitely always on the lookout for those kind of more in the moment social trends. So those hashtags or the meme trends and seeing kind of what platform it's happening on. Has it crossed over into other platforms? Where did it originate? All of those kind of things we definitely are paying attention to and seeing if there is a way for us to jump into the trend in a way that makes sense. Um, kind of like Mackenzie said, if it doesn't really make sense from a business perspective, we're not going to hop into it just because it's a trend that's going on. It really does need to be something that makes sense for us. Um, but on the other hand, as far as kind of creating our own hashtags and trends, I think it definitely depends kind of also on what we're looking at. Um, so, you know, for for our larger campaigns, um, like the the feud, for example, I believe that we had um, a, a hashtag that we utilized. Um, Mackenzie can hop in there a little bit um, just from further experience on that. Uh, but those kind of things we do kind of do incorporate hashtag trends, but uh, not quite as much on trying to start entire meme trends or anything like that ourselves. Yeah, and in, in my experience in social brands trying to create trends often need a significant amount of paid budget to make that happen. It's like, I feel like we're all Gretchen Wieners trying to make fetch happen constantly, you know? And so we have to look at the existing user behavior to make sure that when we're creating trends and when we're creating hashtags, that it's something that people are interested in. So a good example of this is every Wednesday, we do a fashion roundup called on Wednesdays, we were Sam's Club. See, I made the mean girls thing come full circle. And, um, what we have realized is that that is something that people were already interested in. It was a user behavior. People were already talking about it. And so all we had to do was start to incentivize them by getting uh, their outfit shown in this roundup and people would talk about it more. And we've seen that that's been very successful. So there are opportunities, but it's about learning what your members are already doing and then extrapolating on it so that you can get uh, the type of content you're looking for as well. We also do this with campaigns where like the feud where we set up hashtags uh, that that helps us with tracking. It helps us with awareness and the, you know, people were incentivized with a sweepstakes entry um, with the feud. So there's, you know, you're really thinking about what user behavior is. So we spend a lot of times evaluating existing trends rather than trying to create our own. But, you know, it's it's a mix as with all things. It's all a mix, which is why we're doing the big social pros deep dives <laughs> with Sam's Club. Mackenzie and Hunter join us in this episode. Mackenzie will be back in a future episode in the collection, as mentioned in episodes one and two. If you go to socialpros.com, you can get the show notes for each of these episodes. And we're going to have a little org chart there in the show notes so you can kind of see where everybody uh, is in the organization and how they intersect. Go to socialpros.com for that. Mackenzie, Hunter, we're going to ask you the two questions we ask every single person here on on the podcast, including your colleagues here in the Deep Dives collection. Mackenzie, we'll, we'll start with you. What one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Yeah, so I think that 
I have two things. I have something uh, for people who are starting their career. And I would say that my one tip is to really think through not just what content looks like, but what content's purpose is. So what happens a lot is I'm talking to people who are young in their social career. It's like, well, I myself am an Instagram influencer. And I'm like, well, I care a lot less about you being one than you being able to make my brand one. And so thinking through like really what the business objective is and what the purpose is and having some good brass tax comms or marketing tactics around it, uh, that is so important. It's so important because then you're able to leverage those skills and build and Content creation is an amazing skill, but let's make sure that we are also thinking about what the marketing and business needs are of the brand. The second thing that I would say is if you're more like deep in your career and you're trying to make a change, you're trying to accelerate is to think about the content side. (laughs) So I think that it goes both ways. It's like once you've mastered the business side and you're really understanding what you're doing on the, you know, like from a operational standpoint and why you're doing these things, let's make sure that you can make something as beautiful as possible. So I think that people sometimes think about it backwards. Yeah, that's really good advice. Those of you who are just getting started, who are listening to this episode, rewind, uh, or however you would say that in podcast land and uh, listen to what Mackenzie said again, because it is really, really wise. Thank you, Mackenzie. Hunter, um, Hunter's getting married this fall. Uh, and, and so my real question, I'm gonna ask you the real question, but my actual question is, which of the influencers that you've worked with do you want to invite to your wedding? Oh, I have to pick just one. That's, uh, that's pretty difficult. Um, I would definitely say Jennifer from Turtle Creek Lane. I absolutely adore her. She is the kindest soul that I think I've ever met. Um, I would adore if she came to my wedding in the fall. Jennifer, if you're listening, make that happen. I'm shocked you didn't say Matt James. He was a partner of ours and he's incredible. (laughs) Uh, I I would say Matt James, but I I think it might be a little too threatening to my fiance. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to invite the bachelor, got it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. probably not. Yeah, I think that is a good call. Just speaking from the the groom's perspective, I'm just going to say that that was good thinking, Hunter. Um, Okay. If you could do a video call with any living person, uh, who would it be and why? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to stick with the influencer trend here. And I'm going to say Lauren Everts Bostick from The Skinny Confidential. Um, I am extremely impressed with her ability to really create a very large kind of self-sustaining community around her, what was originally just a blog that she was just creating to kind of really create community. She talks a lot um, about how she started it in college, kind of as an alternative to joining a sorority. And I, that's essentially what she's created. She's basically created a gigantic online sorority. She's done an amazing job, both her and her husband, Michael. Um, now with, they also have their own podcast. Michael runs um, a podcast, a, uh, what's it called? A podcast network, Dear Media. They've just done a really amazing job kind of with all of their brands and really creating community around them. And that's that's what I look for with influencers that we're working for is those that have a community that uh, has such a deep trust for for that influencer that they follow. And she's done such an amazing job with that. I would really just love to, to sit and talk and pick her brain. Well, you can make that happen. Just build her into an influencer campaign. Come on, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
There you go. Mackenzie just approved it right here on the podcast. You heard it. It's official. Yeah. Heard it here live. It's been recorded. Uh, I can't wait to, to get the uh, the blow by blow on that. Mackenzie Hunter, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on all the success. We appreciate your time and your transparency. It's been a blast. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Mackenzie, we'll see you uh, in the next episode. Hunter, thanks again. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He is Adam Brown from Salesforce. This is hopefully your favorite podcast in the history of podcasts. This is Social Pros. Don't forget, show notes for all these episodes are at socialpros.com. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors. We'll be back next with episode one, two, three, four of the Social Pros Deep Dives. We'll see you then.